0: I took my first accounting course and just loved it. And on the math side, I found it was like math with a purpose. It made me really enjoy math for the first time.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accounts Go, the accounting careers podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, the CPA, and your host for this show. Well, today we have another guest that I was fortunate enough to get referred to by a lister. And his story is much more dynamic than I realized when I initially followed up on the referral. Anthony Hansen is joining us from East Sussex in the United Kingdom, and he is the founder of his own business, iFinance. Anthony's truly had a lot of variety in his career we're going to talk about typical accounting positions that you would expect in industry but also how he number one got started as a night auditor primarily because he was in colorado and he wanted to snowboard during the day and then of course at the end we're going to get down to his most current endeavor which was founding iFinance where he effectively is bringing financial and accounting managerial skills and resources that large entities would possess down to the small business level. His clients. This was an interesting interview to do. I have fun recording it. I'm sure you're going to have fun listening to it as well. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, please share it out on social media. We love it when we gain new listeners. And if you happen to be an accounting professor or you're involved in a university accounting club type organization, I'm happy to jump on a Zoom conference call or Zoom meeting. If you're doing any kind of, of career talks for your group and you need speakers, I'm happy to do that. I've done that for a long time at the local level, and now, of course, we've adjusted to doing virtually, so I'm happy to help you out there as well if you'd like. Just message me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email, and we can connect and work out the details. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with today's interview. Here's Anthony
0: Hansen. Well,
2: hello, Anthony. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me on.
2: No problem. No problem. Well, for the audience, as I've said before, we find our guests in several ways. Sometimes they're referred by previous guests. Sometimes we come across something online that's intriguing, and we reach out to request an interview. And then sometimes, and maybe the most special times, are when guests are suggested by someone that's heard the show before, a listener. You And that's how we came across our guest for today, Anthony Hansen. Anthony is in East Sussex in the United Kingdom, actually a first for our show, I think. But he started his career here in Colorado in the United States. I'm sure there's going to be great story as we delve into all the different career opportunities that Anthony's been able to experience over the years. But this is also a little special from me, and you wouldn't know this from the audience standpoint, but Anthony has been very patient with me due to the whole COVID virus situation. I've had to reschedule this a couple times actually, and I almost never reschedule. And even if I do, maybe one. And he's been very patient through all that. And I just, Anthony, I really appreciate you still being willing to come on the show. <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> no, no, my pleasure to be here. Yeah.
2: Well, before we get into your current situation with iFinance and your current role, I want to make sure we cover all the early years as well, because it's important for the audience to understand how you got to where you are today. What led you to consider accounting as a possible career choice in the first place?
0: Well, I pretty much always knew that I wanted to be in business before I knew of really what accounting was. Back in high school, I started taking business classes and Join the future business leaders of America and that sort of thing. So, um, so I knew pretty much straight off that I wanted to be in business of some sort. Um, started looking for business college to go to after high school. And I think where it started to twig a bit, at least initially, was when I was taking the ACTs in that to to get ready to go to university. I surprisingly found that I scored very highly in math. It surprised me because i had always found math to be rather boring. I didn't know that I was good at it. I didn't get very good grades in it through school. But looking back, I think it could be that I just had found it boring, but I'm actually quite mathematically inclined. So I was surprised to see such high results there. And then when I started it at university and going into the, the initial foundation business classes, I took my first accounting course and just loved it. And On the math side, I found it was like math with a purpose and it made me really enjoy math for the first time. And so I really found that I had found sort of my position, which avenue I wanted to go for to be in business and where I could really add value. So I never really wanted to be sort of the, the accountant that does taxes and that sort of a thing, but to be in the business and on the financial side of the business.
2: Interesting. First of all, we've had a few people that you know joined FBLA and had that experience, and certainly some people that um, scored highly in math or you know, felt that they were good at math, and, and that's what led them. But it, I love the way you worded that. Accounting is math with a purpose. I never thought about it
0: that way, but
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's practical math.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not just theoretical. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So how did you get your
0: professional
2: start, I guess, after college or during college? What was your first accounting-related job?
0: Well, it was night auditor for a hotel. When I was still at university and looking at what I wanted to do afterwards, some people will take a year off and have a bit of fun maybe. I wanted to get started with my career, but being in from Colorado, I lived on the just outside the mountains, sort of the front range area, they call it. and. I've always loved the mountains and wanted to experience living up there for a while. And I had a cousin living in the ski town of Telluride, and she worked for the big luxury hotel in town. And when I was out visiting her on a snowboarding trip, once uh, she introduced me to the controller for the hotel, and we got to know each other. And as I was finishing up at university, he offered me a job as their night auditor. So... As soon as I graduated, it was December when I graduated, so I just went straight there. The ski season had started, and it was great because it was literally overnight work. You start when the evening shift ended. You run the hotel at night looking after the guests. Of course, most of them are asleep, but someone might need to check in or need something there's really no one else there. So you take care of those things, but you're doing the job overnight until the morning crew comes on doing, reconciling the sales and charging the rooms and preparing lots of reports and stuff like that, which means then that during the day I could go snowboarding. I just had to (laughs) figure out where to fit in a bit of sleep, but otherwise I could snowboard every day and work every day. Why did Um, you ever
2: quit that job?
0: (laughs) 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 Yes. I suppose you can't do that forever. You need to sleep at some point. But also living in a ski town like that isn't quite like normal life and can't really do it forever. But also it had gotten quite difficult for me because at the end of the ski season, the well, the night audit job consists of two auditors working each night and all the other night auditors had left. So I found myself doing a two-person job seven nights a week. And that lasted for about three months. So I being the person I am, I I stuck in there and I did it. uh, And they named me employee of the month during that time. And I trained a new full staff of night auditors before I had decided to to leave and move on and head back to the real world outside of the ski resort towns. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. I was curious about that. Thank you for going over that time period because I've been working in the recruiting space for a long time for accounting and I've seen people start in night audit positions and it be some good experience. And then I've seen some people, you know, work in night audit positions and have a little difficulty, frankly, you know, finding the right fit after that. So I'm glad to hear, glad to hear that worked out. Where did you move on to from there?
0: Well, when I was at university, I was doing some part-time work for home builders and had some experience there. And when I was looking to to leave and head back to the Front Range, I had gotten a job with a company called Mountain Vista Builders. So I joined them as they were quite small then. So I was their sole accountant and they're a small builder with about uh two and a half million dollars a year in revenues. I may say pounds sometimes, but while I'm in America I do mean dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but they were making losses and really struggling. And additionally they owed a fair amount of money mainly to their largest supplier, the lumber company. So I could tell I really had my work cut out for me there to to help them out. So I started out by setting up a costing system so I could see exactly what each house that they built, what it cost to build so that you could tell not just what the total revenues were and then their losses were, but house by house, what they were earning and what it cost them. And they, they had this marketing campaign going on where they were trying to sell this certain concept of a house, which is what they were really actively promoting. And I found that these houses that they were really pushing and trying to sell, they were losing money on them. So for each house they sold, they were actually just hurting themselves more and more. And at the same time, looking at other houses that were house models that they were relatively ignoring, were quite profitable. They basically build plans. They maybe have eight to 12 different house plans that they'd build over and over again. So so I was sort of looking which, which ones worked and which ones didn't. And fortunately, to their credit, when I brought this to the owners, they listened to me, they saw what I had to present, and they took immediate action. They completely changed their whole sales and marketing strategy. They canceled those houses that they were actively pushing. They instead pushed the houses that I told them to. And the company quickly turned around and started becoming profitable. And at the same time, there's a a lot of money going through with building houses that I'm sure you can imagine. I Worked on building their cash flow forecasting to, to make sure they were always on the right side of that. That they they always had the cash in when they needed for when the payments needed to go out. And mainly between those two projects, we turned the company profitable, and I was able to pay off their suppliers within nine months. And they started growing quite quickly over the next few years. They grew those revenues from about two and a half million a year to. Thirty million a year and became the largest builder in the region. Then after a few years with them, there were two owners that each owned 50% of the company and they got to where they were just butting heads. Of course, neither of them had control. They wouldn't agree on anything. And so then the CEO decided he was going to leave and start his own new company. And as he had relied on my expertise with helping out with as i'd done with mountain vista he asked me to join him as his partner so we co-founded a new company called aspen homes together and with that new venture we went from startup to over the next few years built that company up to 30 million a year in in uh, revenue and during the same period, Mountain Vista Builders went pretty much straight into decline and out of business. And Aspen Homes had become the new largest builder in the region. So it was a couple quite good success stories there.
2: Wow! Oh my gosh! Okay. And are you still? Well, obviously, yeah, you're still in Colorado at this point. I know you're yeah. in, in the UK now. Yeah, I don't want to pass over this because obviously you, you know, Aspen Homes was uh, an important or is an important part of your story. I guess take us from Aspen Homes through that period into your move and take us
0: through the rest. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Well, I met a British woman and we got engaged. We were working on getting her into moving to the states, which could be quite a difficult task, and. Then my business partner, unfortunately, died of massive heart failure. And not being a home builder myself, we ended up selling the business. And that meant business-wise, it was free. We Obviously, with having Aspen Homes, that meant we needed to live in Colorado. But with that no longer tying us there, it meant that it could open our options and that wasn't a given. And, And after number of discussions, we decided that we would go ahead and make a change and move to England to be near her family.
2: Oh, my gosh. Those are all major changes. You're starting a company, get it up to 30 million, business partner dies, and, and you meet the love of your life around the same time and move. My gosh. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was a quick whirlwind change there, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It reminds me of those list of the most stressful life occurrences that you see sometimes. It's like you hit all the top ones all there within yeah. you know, a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So you sell the company, you move to England. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you know no one in England at that point, right? Or did you already have connections? I guess. How did you, get, how'd you find something new?
0: <laughs> yeah. No new connections as I I had never been across the Atlantic before other than on a previous trip to meet her family when shortly after we got engaged and stuff. So uh, we started by testing it a bit. We spent some time living here and make that decision which which way do we want to go and that. But we did then end up deciding on England and so then just start fresh here. However, having been a home, uh, I was going to say a home builder, (laughs) business owner, For a few years, I wasn't exactly keen to go back to being an employee again. I did need to do do something, of course. So I started looking around for jobs and while doing so I saw a number of roles for ERP implementation consultants. That sort of intrigued me for a bit because I had implemented the systems for both Mountain Vista Builders and Aspen Homes and really enjoyed that. And I thought maybe Actually, a lot of it I had done myself because the company that I'd hired knew sort of the vanilla financial side of the systems, but not so much the operational, the really getting into the job costings and the cost accounting and the, all of that sort of aspects of the system that we implemented. So those bits I really did myself. So I was quite heavily involved and enjoyed it quite a bit. So I thought perhaps then I could, look to have a business doing that sort of a thing, but knew I would, one thing, just taking part in doing a couple for for the businesses you work for and another to actually have this as your business. So I thought I would start by getting a job as a consultant for another company to sort of learn the ropes and get to know the market and get that experience before setting up my own shop. And so I got a job with a company called Bentech as an implementation consultant in a project manager and started working with their clients, implementing a lot of systems and that. But I found that the UK market was very different. At least in northern Colorado, it's quite a regional regional thing. You go to like local maybe accounting firm or somewhere to get these systems, whereas Here, they're pretty much all national players. I was traveling all over the UK on a regular basis and sometimes even going to other islands like Guernsey and so on. So it's not just regional, it's very much national. So there's less companies involved and found it was quite saturated. So it didn't seem to be a good business opportunity for me. However, I gained a lot of experience working with people in other businesses as clients, which has really helped me to be more comfortable working with clients now with what I'm doing and built my technical knowledge quite a bit, which helps me to advise my clients now and using cloud systems and so on. And then really in the end, I found that as a consultant in the IT like that, you're always doing a project for someone and then you leave it. So whether it's implementing a system or writing a report or adding some new features or something, you go, you build something, then you hand it over and leave. And I missed more of that ongoing, you know, running the business, being a part of it, not just setting it up, but then running and making a success out of it or not or whatever. And not just being the guy that pops in for a few days and fixes things and moves on. So I decided at that point that it was time to leave that and get back into accounting again.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I hear that from... Actually, it's, it's interesting. That's very similar to the decision between public accounting for some people and industry. Some people, they yeah. really much prefer industry because you delve deeper versus in public accounting, a lot of times you're more of a consultant.
0: You help and you, right. move,
2: on. Help and you move on. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So did you start your own business immediately after that?
0: Or did you move on? No, no. Yeah. So next, I got sort of my first UK FD role, finance director, they call here, sort of like the CFO, for a company called Challenge Packaging. So they were a corrugated case manufacturer, like made cardboard boxes and that. And they were a packaging company, distributor of packaging. So they made boxes, sold packaging, and that sort of thing. So Which was a good experience in that it sort of branched me out a bit from other things that I had done before, getting involved with manufacturing more and dealing with business to business type sales and that sort of thing. And then from there, I moved on to another company called Paper Graphics, which was a a larger company. They're a group of nine businesses based all around Europe. With headquarters here in the UK. And so there I got more involved with things like consolidated group accounting and translating currencies for the reporting and stuff, a lot of foreign exchange exposure. And that's where I started sort of getting more experience with dealing with the team remotely because I had uh, staff in not just different offices, but different countries and speaking different languages and stuff. So, So that was all quite interesting. And it was while working there that I got the idea for my business for I Finance department. And what I was thinking really was, as I was getting into these larger companies, and seeing the economies of scale that they enjoyed, that smaller businesses really can't take part in quite as much. For example, with the small business, they like when I started Mountain Vista Builders, I was the sole accountant there. You look for somebody who has the expertise to be able to not just prepare all the reports, but to advise management and things like that. And that can cost a fair amount of money for somebody that can do that. But then you're quite small, so you'll accept that same person to be doing the transactional work bookkeeping, accounts payable, the the payroll, the receivables, reconciling bank accounts, all that sort of stuff. Whereas as you get into larger companies, if you need someone doing accounts payable, you hire somebody to do accounts payable and they're paid a much lower wage. You're not paying that same person the high wage to do the lower tasks. So with getting to know the cloud computing software that was out there and the way you could work virtually and remotely, I thought I could break down those resources so that I can just provide just the bookkeeping that a company needs, just the, the accounting they need, just the advisory services they need, all at appropriate rates and bring those economies of scale to them. And that's sort of where the idea came about and why I called it iFinance Department, because in the UK, the accounting department is known as the finance department. So essentially the virtual finance department.
2: Okay. Okay. Are you still building it on your own or have you been able to bring on remote help and that kind of thing?
0: Yes. Well, I have started with, I've got a bookkeeper now that handles that bit for me. I do pretty much everything else myself, but it's been an interesting time because last year, that's when I got this idea and founded the business and started doing it basically in my spare time, sort of evenings and weekends where I can to sort of prove to myself more than anyone that the concept of it and that it was viable and could do this. And then it was basically last autumn that I had been given notice at work, and which is a three-month period. So I ended up starting my finance department full-time at the start of this year. And as you can imagine, this is a great year to be starting a new business.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah. just for, yeah, for anyone so,
2: listening to this later, we're obviously recording this during the coronavirus twenty twenty epidemic. So, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Crazy time. Crazy
0: time. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. So off. yeah, no, that's fine. And so yeah, we've had lockdown, we've had businesses shutting their doors at least temporarily, if not permanently. And in the UK we're doing a lot of furloughing of staff. I don't know in this States are doing much similar, but here they're basically the government is paying 80% of any staff that a company furloughs. So if you basically send them home and they're not allowed to work for the company, and they get 80% of their pay. So there's a lot of people just not working now. Businesses not functioning, not running, and so yeah, not the best time to be uh, trying to start and grow a business. But I had built. Some good clients from before I had left, and those are going well. And now business seems to be coming back. I'm adding more clients now, but at the moment I do just about everything. I, as I stated, I've got the bookkeeper, so I've got the client bookkeeping done for me, and I've got a marketing company that handles my marketing. But I do pretty much everything, everything else myself at the moment. But my plans are definitely to continue to grow the company more and bring on staff to handle more of I think really honestly I as an accounting practice I will do everything for the the clients that they need obviously being from industry myself that's that's my focus I personally focus on the advisory work I'll bring in people to handle more of the tax work the, the accounts and that sort of a thing. And so I can keep more focused on the advisory type stuff. And then really, I'd like to grow and hire within. So I would like to be training my staff to move them up and become the next virtual CFOs and so on.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't want to pass over this because, you know, we, we are in this you know, pandemic season here. And, and, you know, something you said just makes me remember things I've I've heard other guests say. Accounting is a very stable and secure career. I mean, certainly there are layoffs occasionally, and certainly things like this affect the accounting profession. But, you know, when businesses are making money, they need an accountant. And when they're losing money, they still need an accountant of some kind, (laughs) you know, and maybe more so, you know. It's, It's a very resilient career path. It really is.
0: Exactly. So Paper Graphics, the company that I had left when I started my own business, they basically kept me on as they're now a client and one of my largest clients. And and I've been doing a lot during this time for them. When I was talking about the furloughing of staff, I'm doing the furloughs for them. They've put, just in the UK, they've put over 60 people on furlough. And so I'm doing all that reporting to the government to to make the claims so that they can pay the money, so that the company can pay the staff, and doing similar things in in the other countries where they they've got sort of different schemes but a bit similar, and doing raising finance where we can. Got we changed banks during this period. Got a new mortgage that released a lot of equity in the building that they own. There's government loans. There i have been helping them to arrange another $5 million in loans to help to pay suppliers. Uh, so it is uh, a lot of work during this time to help businesses really rely on their accountants more and stuff. So it's been extremely busy for me. Well, you know, the furloughed staff are being paid 80% and they can't do anything for the accountants. For, we're just working like mad during this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> same thing. And all this happened... Right in the middle of tax season in the U.S., and of course that deadline got extended. But all of a sudden, everybody yeah. had to switch hats. You know, wow, wow. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. You mm-hmm. talked a little bit about your vision, which is good, and I'm glad we touched on that. You've done so many things in your career, though. I mean, going from night auditor, you know, in the evening, to, or and at the same time, you know, snowboarder. <laughs> you're during the day and, and uh, home building, and then even owning your own and you know, ERP analyst, and and now you're helping small businesses again. What have you enjoyed the most? What have you learned about yourself through all these?
0: these Yeah, yeah. I think it's really because of the the path that I'm taking now is, is really for me because just being the FD of a large company like that, what I really found that I like is, not so much a, a big stable company, which has lots of challenges, and I've just explained some, just you know, now with the coronavirus and that. But I really enjoy more like what I was doing before with the home builders, in having the smaller, real high growth businesses, which is a big challenge. You know, you've got to deal with over trading and working capital and stuff like that. But it's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that, and so I've got a another client right now called Stitch and Story that is growing like mad. They're on a virtual capital path. So I've been helping them through seed rounds and series A and stuff like that. They are a high growth company and a lot of fun to work with. Quite modern. They're in crafting. They do knitting, selling knitting kits and stuff like that. So in this, this lockdown has just been a boom for them. As you can imagine, people stuck at home, can't do anything so they go online and look for something to do so they're getting into knitting and they started they were growing 800 percent over last year then is a thousand percent over last year they're just growing like mad and it's a lot of fun so while I'm doing the work that I need to be doing for companies like paper graphics to help them survive and and you need to do those things that uh, where I really get the joy is helping the business that are really growing and having a lot of fun with it and making that happen.
2: I want to be respectful of your time. And I end the podcast with the same three questions. So we should get to those. One last thing, though, I'm curious, particularly based on that, on that response. Mm -hmm. If you could go back in time and give your younger self just one piece of advice based on what you know now, what do you think that may be?
0: Well, as you are saying, I have done a fair amount. It was a while ago when I was at Aspen Homes. I was fairly young then. And if I could go back, I think I would like to advise myself on how to prepare and to be ready to hold on to Aspen Homes after my business partner died. As I stated earlier, I'm not a home builder. I couldn't just become a home builder. But there are ways to get around that sort of thing. You can hire people. You can gain that expertise one way or another. And I think at that time, maybe wasn't ready to take on the whole company like that. But it's been a while since going from Aspen Homes to having i finance department. And I would have really liked to have made a, a long-term success of Aspen Homes. So I think if I could go back, that's probably what I would look at doing.
2: Sure. Sure. Well hindsight's twenty twenty, as they say, right? It's mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> easy to know that now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions. So we, we probably better get to those. The first one's usually the easiest from a career perspective. What's been your proudest moment?
0: Well, now I would have to say taking this leap to run iFinance Department full time, even during the year we're having I'm really, really enjoying it. And having building Aspen Homes from startup to 30 million a year in just a few years, it was a great achievement. But this one I'm doing now, I'm doing it on my own. It's all down to me. And it is a success so far. i earning more in the first few months of this than, than I was in the first same sort of period at Aspen Homes, and really, time will tell whether it's uh, as much of a success as that, but I think the signs are good, and I'm really pleased with myself for having done this.
2: Wow, that is awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: thanks.
2: Well, second question, tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way, and the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how we all learn from these.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's sort of like, as you had mentioned before, say, oh, wow, you moved to the UK. Did you have any connections there? How did you do that? Well, uh, I was a bit naive on that. (laughs) So definitely, I learned all about that the hard way. With trying to move my wife to the US, I could really see about the difficulties with immigration. I thought that would be the main difficulty was actually just moving to the UK and being allowed here, but didn't really realize how difficult it would be to work in the UK. First, I found I was unemployable because I just had a temporary visa because you have to go through a number of rounds, a number of visas before you end up with your permanent one. So while I was going through that, nobody really wanted to hire me because they didn't know if I would have to leave the country. Fortunately, I'd just sold a business so I was able to get by for a while, but that was a bit difficult. And then once I did get that permanent visa and did get into working in that. I found that in the UK, I wasn't considered to be a qualified accountant. So I then had to spend two years going through that requalification process, uh, which I found was is quite normal. I know a lady in London who was from Australia and she's a midwife, but when she came to the UK, she was no longer a midwife either and had to work as a nurse. Uh, she ended up going back to Australia so she could be a midwife again. But I had established my family here and had my kids here, so I went through the process of requalifying. So now I'm um, chartered here as well. Interesting.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I know it worked that way coming into the U.S. I, I didn't realize how, how it worked going the other way.
0: <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the accountants here that don't even need an accounting degree. Many accountants never go to university. Okay. Wow.
2: What did you have to
0: pursue in
2: order to be qualified there?
0: Get a, a membership with a body here. So I'm with the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, known as SEMA, okay. who's also tied in with the AICPA. So I do also have the designation CGMA, which uh, CPAs can gain if they get into industry. I don't know if you've, you've heard of that, the CPA and the CGMA.
2: Oh, a chartered
0: global management accountant. Yes.
2: Yeah. We've seen a lot of that here in the last five years or so.
0: Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I've got then.
2: Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What has been the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
0: Well, I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett, and he said something that really hit home to me is something like, cash is to a business as oxygen is to a person you don't think about it when you have it but it's the only thing on your mind when you don't and like with way back at mountain vista builders about needing to sort out the cash you know i have always kept such a close eye on cash and liquidity as basically i find it the most important task for an accountant that looks after a business and so i just i start my day with it i update the cash flows review the forecasts and just make sure that you're liquid and your cash is on track then That's a big part of the job done, and and the business will keep running.
2: Yeah, that is really good advice, and particularly for what you're doing now. (laughs) Yeah. Working with smaller businesses. (laughs) Definitely.
0: Well, this this has been a
2: fun interview. You've had a dynamic career, and then I feel like if I end up talking to you five years, you know, plus from now, all that stuff we just covered is just going to be start, <laughs> you know, and that, that many mm-hmm. more things will have happened by that time. You're sort of at a new beginning, which is, is really exciting. If somebody wanted to find out more about your business or, or iFinance, where's the best place to go?
0: Probably to our website, which is iFinanceDept, short for department.com, iFinanceDept.com.
2: Beautiful. I finance dept. dot com. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. I just wanted to get that in. So thank you, and really appreciate your time today.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, that was my interview with Anthony Hansen of iFinance. And I really appreciated how open he was. I mean, we had fun, or at least I had fun, walking through his career journey. He was very open and transparent about some of the challenges he had. And I particularly appreciated the discussion of the challenges surrounding immigrating to the United Kingdom and how it was a little harder than he thought it was going to be in the beginning. However, if you think about that, that ultimately is what launched him into the business opportunity that he has now. So this really was a an interesting story and, and somewhat of a unique story as well. I really appreciated him taking the time out for this. If you did enjoy this episode, please take the time to rate us in your podcast app. We love it when we get new ratings. It helps others find And honestly, it just warms my heart a little bit. So please take a second out of your day to do that rating if you haven't already done it. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, the host of Where Accountants Go, the accounting careers podcast. And as I say on every episode, we'll see you next week. There's more to come.